1: Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Seton, what if I told you there's a bacon, then there's number one thick cut, tastes like a touchdown in your mouth bacon?
2: You must be talking about Wright brand bacon Mm -hmm. because they are not playing when it comes to the premium quality of their bacon.
1: It's thick cut, hand trimmed and real would smoke real. And you can tell. So why settle for average bacon when you can have the real stuff? That's right. And if you're looking to upgrade any meal, any meal, try Right Brand Bacon. That's called Right Brand Bacon. You won't regret it. Experience bacon the right way.
0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.
3: Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com.
0: Like women. Accuracy and charisma. Dan Patrick has successfully avoided Chris Mannix. What are your expectations for Golden State this year? I think depending on how Clay comes back, could win the conference. Really could. But the Danettes are not so light. I don't know if he can
1: get on board with this call. <laughs> it's
0: going to be really tough. They're holding down the Mercedes man cave while Dan is preparing our Super Bowl shows in Miami. We have tickets. They're free. You go online to Dan in M-I-A, capital M-I-A, Com. Sitting
2: in for Dan Patrick, this is Chris Mannix on the Dan Patrick Show.
4: Hour three of the program, Dan Patrick Show, third and final hour of the week. Dan is off already on his way down to Miami. The boys will be down there tomorrow. Full week of shows down on Miami, on South Beach, in Miami, on South Beach.
2: Uh, Seton, I hear you can go attend these shows. You sure can. You could be in our live audience, our live studio audience. And get a, a nice big hug from Fritzy if you're so inclined. That's uh, daninmia.com is the website to get your free tickets. Free tickets? Free tickets. Worth yeah. every penny.
4: Daninmia.com. I think I might stop by next week. You should. pop into the studio audience. I'll be down there for a boxing match on Thursday.
1: Is, is, that's convenient for you. Well, is, is that a boxing match you needed to cover? Or? I
4: need to cover live on the zone. Part of my responsibilities Thursday night. Demetrius Andrade headlining a middleweight champion. Yes, Eden. Can you get uh, us tickets? Sure. To
1: the fight? Yeah, I would be. All right. You want in? All four of you? Ready to go? Maybe. I'm just bringing that on these guys. <laughs> I like boxing. Boxing's fun. <laughs> Last boxing match I saw in person was Hasim Rahman. Ooh, when? Uh, like 15 years ago. Remember yeah. Andrew Galat and those guys? Yes. And after we were in row three, and after Haseem Rahman fought, he came and he sat in the seat next to us with his girlfriend or wife afterwards. It be real nice. Yeah, Haseem Rahman now a trainer in boxing got a lot of mileage out of that one win over uh, Lennox Lewis. Who's right now the best fighter on earth, either perception-wise, fame-wise, or actual? Lomachenko, other
0: Canelo
4: Alvarez, up and down the spectrum. I think he's the best fighter in boxing pound for pound, and he's clearly the biggest star in boxing right now. I mean. His fights are the equivalent of must-see TV for boxing fans. And he can fight all over the world and make a lot of money. Anthony Joshua, probably the biggest global star. But North America, Anthony, uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez, financially, Canelo Alvarez, all day long.
1: Alvarez, Golovkin, that's going to happen again one more time or no? We're
4: optimistic. The Zone is optimistic anyway that it happens sometime in September. Canelo probably going to go or at least leaning towards going over to Japan for his next fight, to fight maybe in the Tokyo Dome over there against a guy named Ryota Murata, but if he gets through that fight and Golovkin gets through his next fight in April, uh, I think in September you'll see the third fight. At least you're hopefully going to see a third fight between those guys. Who's my guy?
1: Teofimo Teofimo Lopez fighting uh, Lomachenko. Big fight in uh, April or May. Those are two entertaining fighters.
4: Entertaining fighters. Teofimo is a showman
1: out there. Is he from
4: Brooklyn? Uh, He's from Brooklyn. I think he lives in Vegas now, but from Brooklyn, yes. Um, Look at me
1: dropping knowledge.
4: 2016 Olympian. Probably the Best Olympian from that class right now, without question. World champion already. Chance to fight uh, for the Unified Championship, Undisputed Championship. No date set yet, but I think April or May is the targeted date, either in New York or in Los Angeles. Go to that one, too. Look at you guys. Boxing guys hitting up these fights. I think, actually, the fight it itself on this weekend is at the new, the DirecTV uh, stadium down there. The one they're building for
1: entertainment stuff. And- didn't get, we didn't get our invite.
5: oh
1: uh, no. yeah. <laughs> uh-uh.
4: They invited you. They didn't invite me. I'm doing the show, part of the broadcast. Don't be so offended. I'll get your tickets if you can't get them through other means. What good is having
2: this thin skin if we can't get offended, Chris? <laughs> Seriously, no kidding.
4: All <laughs> right, love to get to in this hour: uh, quick update on Antonio Brown, the former Patriots wide receiver, Raiders wide receiver, kind of Steelers wide receiver. Uh, he showed up in his first court appearance today. He was wearing an a, uh, anti-suicide smock. His bond was set $100,000 for the burglary and battery charge. The judge ordered Brown to wear a GPS monitor, surrender his passport, and undergo a mental health evaluation. So, maybe good news for Antonio Brown if he's ordered to undergo a mental health evaluation. Maybe something comes of it. We know his former agent, Drew Rosenhaus, who you know parted ways with him at least temporarily until Brown gets some help. He had lingering questions about that. All the actions taken by Antonio Brown over the last six months suggest there might be something wrong with him. So with the court stepping in, ordering a mental health evaluation, uh, ordering him to go through drug and alcohol testing, maybe that's something that could at least get Antonio Brown steered in the right direction. His NFL career probably over at this point, 32 years old and everything that's happened over the last six months. But I guess you can never say never. If Antonio Brown suddenly goes through a transformation, Perloff, over the next four months, if it turns out something was wrong with him, that there was a mental illness there, I can see a handful of teams taking a flyer on Antonio Brown.
0: Yeah, we got an interesting tweet comparison. How about Richie Incognito, a guy who you would have thought would be done? I mean, had all sorts of problems. So you're right. I mean, the only thing with him is his position is so age-dependent, you know, that he's got to turn around quickly, I think.
4: I think the opportunity will be granted to him because, assuming he gets all the help that he may need, I think the opportunity will be there because he left the game as arguably the best wide receiver in the game. So even though he is 32 years old, The talent last seen was there, right? Like it was, it was on display.
0: What's the take in New England about the Patriots cutting him? Was there are people defending Antonio Brown and think that was a mistake, or was that there was there no choice at that point?
3: I think that
4: the fans wanted to keep him. I think sports fans in general and Patriots fans in this context they can pretty much justify everything. And for the weeks leading up to the Patriots signing Antonio Brown. What was the big narrative around New England? Their wide receiver corps were weak. No Rob Gronkowski at tight end. Brady needed help. And then that first game, Brown had a touchdown against the Dolphins. And it looked to me like Brady was trying to force feed him the ball, try to develop chemistry almost in real time. And the trickle-down effect of Antonio Brown being cut is that as we sit here, Tom Brady may be playing in another uniform next year. Would he be in another uniform if Antonio Brown had been able to last the whole season in New England? Would their season have ended differently if Antonio Brown had been the receiver that we all know he can be? Tom Brady right now is weighing his options out there. You've all seen the reports. He moved out of that house in the Boston area. He's moved to Connecticut. He's looking at free agency. He's not no guarantee at all, but he's going to wind up back in New England after the season a lot of that can be traced back to Antonio Brown. It's not everything, but the Patriots' decision not to significantly upgrade their receiver corps last offseason, cutting Antonio Brown, all of that is part of the narrative surrounding Tom Brady right now. Yeah, Paulie.
1: There, there's something that's kind of confusing with the Patriots' situation with Brady. Brady made it pretty clear that he wanted to play and wanted to play next year right after the season. I'm not retiring. And then he put the post on Instagram, I'm ready to play. I'm not done. I got a lot to prove. He basically put the ball in the Patriots' court of, do you want me back? Okay, I'm ready to play. And then the Patriots come out, and there's a story going on right now that the Patriots want to know what his intentions are before March so they can make their draft and free agency plans. Those don't match. He said he wants to play. Or as he, it was his message, I want to play, but I want to be paid the full boat because I've given you guys a bunch of hometown discounts. Every other year, he basically redoes his contract to give them more cap room to sign players. It's confusing what's going on there. There's a chunk of the story that's
5: not
4: out there yet. A big chunk of the story. Whether it is some kind of more serious rift with Bill Belichick, uh, which I think is the most likely scenario in all this, because it doesn't make sense for the Patriots not to want to commit to Tom Brady at a good number over two years. It's not like they're sitting there right now with Jimmy Garoppolo waiting in the wings. Does anybody know if Jared Stidham can play? Does anybody believe that Teddy Bridgewater is like this big upgrade over Tom Brady? I know he struggled last year, but he is just a year removed from being considered an elite quarterback. Arguably the best quarterback, or at least the top five quarterback in all of football. There's no reason to absolutely believe that last season was the beginning of the end. You heard about the report, Mike Giardic, NFL Network, said he's got some elbow problem. What if that resolves itself in the offseason? What if they get better wide receivers this season? They were playing with what? Mohamed Sanu, who didn't work out for that team. They had second and third string tight ends. You had uh, Nikhil Harry, who didn't make that big of an impact as a rookie wide receiver with that team. Edelman was still Edelman, but it doesn't... You give him a little more weapons, why can't we at least believe it's possible that Tom Brady could return to that highest level? That's why I think there's something missing in this story. Something serious has gone on behind the scenes that's causing this disconnect. Otherwise, you'd say, all right, Tom, here's a two-year deal. You want the money. Look at all you've accomplished. And you're going to balk over a two-year deal at big money when you
1: have nothing waiting in the wings? None of that makes any sense from a pure football perspective. Yeah, Paulie. Well, another thing I don't understand is where Belichick fits into this. He's 67. I'm sure he does not want to quit coaching. Nobody wants to quit coaching. But I wonder if he wants to get to the last era of his coaching faster. Like if Tom Brady leaves now and he goes to a new quarterback, whether it's a you know a 28-year-old or a rookie, he starts that now. He's delaying it by two years with a Brady on the backside of his career. You know, I, I know this is convoluted, but I wonder if Belichick, almost like the Bulls did with Michael Jordan, those guys said, "Let's let's do the rebuild now." He wants to get the rebuild going if it's going to happen. He doesn't want to delay it for two years if he doesn't think he could win with his current quarterback.
4: Right, but nothing is stopping the Patriots from drafting a quarterback in like the first round this year. Like, let's say Tua slips because of the hip injury and goes, falls all the way down to the Patriots wherever they're drafting in the, the mid to late 20s. There's nothing stopping them from taking, them, taking him and sitting him on the bench for a couple of years while Tom Brady finishes his career. Like, at most, he's going to have two, maybe three years left why wouldn't you draft the quarterback of the future and have him play and play behind him and then go out and spend whatever capital you have left on a top-shelf wide receiver? Upgrade those corps and then deal with the quarterback situation in the draft. I, I don't, I'm don't. i not sitting here thinking Teddy Bridgewater is the difference between Tom Brady and a championship with this team. Yes, Eden.
2: Because it does say if you just look at the last five years, they're on a pretty good run of making it to the Super Bowl. I mean, they've been in right. Like you would four, think. four of the last five years. They've been in there and won three of them. So I, it seems a little premature to me that people think all of a sudden Tom Brady is the problem or, you know, that, that it's not worth sticking it out with him there in New England. Um, but, I mean, recent – the, the the offense was clearly a problem in the Rams game. Yeah. Um, that Rams Super Bowl because they couldn't put up any points. But then, you know, the year before that with the Eagles, it was a defensive problem. So – you know, it's a little up and down year by year.
4: It is. And the offense, though, in that game, made a big play with Gronk that passed down the field. I mean, they they came up with a big play when they needed to come up with a big play. I, I'd also like to know what Brady's thinking about. Like, for Brady, does another situation... Is it so bad in New England that you think the L.A. Chargers might be a better fit? Is it so bad in New England that you're considering playing for Mike Vrabel in Tennessee? Like, does Tom Brady move the needle for those teams that much that it makes sense for him to go there. Like the LA chargers, you add Tom Brady instead of Phillip rivers. Are they measurably better next year? Maybe if Brady regains the form we saw from two years ago, but I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Paul, that does go back to that story a few years ago where the Belichick and the management, some management wanted to keep Garoppolo and, and stay with him. And that Brady, the rumored story was he had to go to Robert Kraft and have Robert Kraft to put the foot down and say, we're moving this guy. You're our quarterback for the next few years. I wonder if that would stick and say, like, you know what? They weren't going to be loyal to me. What's the reason for me to be loyal to
4: them? Maybe it did, but I don't think loyalty should have anything to do with it at that time. If Jimmy Garoppolo looked like – well, clearly Jimmy Garoppolo was a player. Right? He, he clearly is a high-level quarterback, and Bill Belichick could see that in a limited time that Garoppolo had the field, took the field. And look, if Garoppolo was still around, I would be all on board with the idea that you move off of Tom Brady. But you don't have him there. And what? Has Jared Stidham played in a—the only time I saw Stidham play was when he came into that game early in the season, threw a pick six, and then was yanked out of it. Yeah, it
0: was a, they were up by, like, three touchdowns. They put Hoyer in. or No, they put someone—Hoyer's on the yeah. They put, they put, put Brady, Brady back They put Brady back in. I know, which killed the— uh, Hit him kill the line. I bet the Patriots that game. But Garoppolo played in
1: three NFL games and got the biggest contract in quarterbacking history. played really well, though. Right. In the, three. And a, it was really two and a half. Two, two and a half. He didn't hurt. hurt in that halftime. And then he became thought, the yeah. highest-paid quarterback in the sport.
4: Well, but, I mean, I think there was a buildup to that. <laughs> Plus, right, Garoppolo but, was a second-round pick coming out of, what was it, Eastern Illinois yes. at that point. And, and he had kind of a – there was like kind of a Tony Romo vibe to him coming out of the, uh, out of the draft. So I think that there was more – Evidence to give Jimmy Garoppolo that type of contract, yeah, Garoppolo.
0: Andy Dalton comes to New England, excite oh, you? No.
4: I feel like that was like a manufacturer. Somebody asked Peter King that, and he just like answered it, and it became like Andy Dalton for the Patriots. I don't, I don't know. He's oh, he's fine, but I, I don't see. I don't look at Andy Dalton as being the reason to fracture a relationship with Tom Brady. It, I don't like. It would just I be agree weird yeah. for all that.
0: I mean, you. I agree. There's one logical spot for him next year. Where? Like, Patriots. Part. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Not the Chargers. <laughs> Not at you can't move off Ryan Tannehill if you're, uh, if you're the Titans. You can't yeah, do yeah. You might as
0: well Just go run with that. Why not?
2: Yes, Eden. I think I think you're right. It's the only place that makes sense. But sort of getting back to what you were saying before, hard feelings can be pretty powerful. Yeah, you know. I think, and, I, think I
4: think Gronk had some hard feelings. I don't think Gronk wanted to play for Belichick anymore. But right. Brady feels the same way. Yeah, yep.
0: Dan compared it to when the Bulls split up the Jordan team yeah. and drafted Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. That Krauss wanted to move on. You know,
4: that's true. Jerry Krause did want to move on from that. Company. And they
0: did it a year early. But
1: they've said that they could have signed Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman for one max deal each, one full. Because remember the Larry Bird rule? Uh, the last two years, Michael Jordan made $33 million. He made about three per year before that. Because of the Larry Bird rule, they weren't against the cap with him or Pippen. They could have kept both those guys for one more year. You
4: know, we talk about, we will talk about college players being paid. But NBA players, are the stars, are grossly underpaid. Michael Jordan at $33 million. What was Michael Jordan worth to the Bulls back then?
1: $100 million? And he was only paid, two, his last two seasons, Jordan got most of his career salary. He, he made about three thousand, three million five hundred thousand a year for his first 10 years.
4: LeBron's a max player right now. What's he worth to the Lakers? $200 million? I mean, the NBA it revolves around LeBron James and the games that he plays in. Like, he is a singular ratings driver that consistently puts up big numbers. The Lakers consistently sell out and do huge numbers of merchandise because of LeBron James. I think he's making $35, $40 million this year. It should be double that. It He is worth double that amount of money. Star players, and it could be true for all sports, but I know in the NBA, star players are underpaid at that level. The mid-level players, they get taken care of at, at a high level because of the, the negotiations. you got the, I think the mid-level salary in the NBA is like $10 million. Like, you get, like Aaron Baines this summer is probably going to get $10 million. Like that type of player is getting paid big money. He is not he's not worth a quarter of what LeBron James is worth. Simple as that. Yeah. Per, per
0: yeah, we have a uh, we play this song that makes fun of Cleveland <laughs> and one of the Cleveland. lines is, Yeah, you know. You know. <laughs> Our economy is dependent on LeBron James. I mean, the dude <laughs> runs the economy of an entire metropolitan area. <laughs> he's your million is Maybe conservative.
4: All right, eight seven seven three DP shows the phone number. Email address DP at danpatrick.com. So glad you guys like the twenty twenty DP show calendar and we've sent up almost twenty five hundred and there's still time to get yours. Now thirty percent off on danpatrick.com or the Dan Patrick app. When we come back, I do want to talk about the comments that Mark Emmert made at his state of the NCAA uh media availability just yesterday in Anaheim, California, and what that means for the potential of paying players in 2020 and beyond. We'll talk about that next, coming up on 18 Minutes Past the Hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show.
1: Hey, it's Paulie Paps from the Dan Patrick Show. We've got an awesome podcast to tell you about today. It's the big podcast with Shaq. Of course it's big. Tune in every week as Shaq and his crew cover sports, entertainment, and a lot more with Shaq. That's the only way the diesel does it. The show is full of laughs and amazing stories. Stay tuned to the end of this episode from a great clip from the big podcast with Shaq. Then be sure to subscribe on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast listening apps so you don't miss an episode. As we speak, Eli Manning taking questions from
4: New York reporters, officially announcing his retirement from the NFL after 16 seasons. No huge surprise there if Eli lost his job midway through this one. So I guess, Perloff, tell me, could Eli have been a could he have signed somewhere else? It's hey, a backup. As, backup, not yeah, as a backup. Yeah, no,
0: he, he couldn't have even been a bridge for a young guy. Okay. So, no, and that's why multiple reports, Peter King and a few other people said there was no job.
4: Yeah, because there was a time when, even before the start of this season, that you looked at, like, Jacksonville as being a possibility there. Because the yeah, Tom with Tom Coughlin, Coughlin, Coughlin yeah. You know, and maybe even before Tannehill took off, you could have said, you know, go down to Tennessee and you know play behind Mariota for a minute. Yeah, brother.
0: If you were Eli, would you take a backup job just to keep getting paid and played?
4: He's probably made a ton of money in his career. He's got a future on television, too. I don't know, clearly not as telegenic as his brother, but I think he's got a pretty good future as a television commentator.
1: Yeah, Polly. The two rings makes him feel complete. I mean, he's sitting there today. I'm sure he would like to play more football, but he doesn't need it. There's not something sticking there. He's got two rings in New York. He's going to get in the Hall of Fame no matter what anybody thinks, and he's the highest-paid player in NFL history.
3: Two rings get you in the Hall of Fame.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Hard not to. Yeah. Uh,
3: We were were talking about it yesterday with Dan as far as having Tony Romo versus Peyton and Eli. Is Eli, you know, Peyton obviously has a much better personality, but Eli in and of himself, would he be able to do that well? You know, with that awestruck kind of personality unless he's able to flip a switch and there's something about broadcasting that we don't know about what he can deliver.
4: I'd probably start him in the studio. Maybe it's an ESPN gig in one of their... 900 studio shows that they do and see how he fares there before I put him in a broadcast booth. if I did put him in a broadcast booth, I'd probably make him the third or fourth guy. You know, they got so many teams now in the NFL. You could certainly his mind. I think you'd want someone like that. His perspective in the booth. Yeah, Paul.
1: Don't confuse Eli Manning's demeanor as the Giants quarterback with his actual demeanor. He was in New York. He played that Derek Jeter role of, I want to give the media nothing. I want to do nothing. I want to go to work and try to be a member of the team. And he did that for years. He's an entertaining, funny guy. He's just not as entertaining, as gregarious as his brother, who embraced it more. So Tony Romo, no one thought he was funny until he took the job. No one thought he was going to be good on air until he did become good on air. Eli is from a media family. He's done a lot more stuff in the media, a lot more funny commercials than Tony Romo ever did. First retired quarterback to get a TV job, Andrew Luck or Eli Manning? I don't think Andrew Luck has a TV in his house. He's got a, books. books. And like
0: a wood stove. Where in the world is Andrew Luck right now? No one's interviewed him. No one's unclear. Silicon Valley? Stanford? I, th- I thought there were some rumors he's going to get into that business. I mean, has there
1: been a sighting? He, he announced that he and his family were going to stay in Indianapolis for the time being. They just had a baby, I think, two months ago.
4: Okay. I wonder if he's being uh, seen at the local Target, you know, hanging out. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen anything about Andrew Luck in the last six months. He's not going to. Just gone from, gone from sight. Out of sight and uh, out of mind alright seven seven three 877-3DP shows the phone number, email address dp at danpatrick.com. We have our Golden Road moment of the weekend. And apparently, guys, on Monday, Melissa Etheridge rolled through and uh, sang her version of the Chiefs' Super Bowl song. I got my friends and family all blowing up my phone.
5: My kids think I've gone crazy as I'm running around my home. Well, I heard Dan Patrick wanted me to call into his show. Well, the Chiefs must have won the AFC and we're headed to the Super Bowl. When I was just a little girl Upon my daddy's knee I remember it like yesterday It was 1970 Oh, the Chiefs had Lenny Dawson Then Buck Buchanan and Bobby Bell For oh, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl I heard my daddy yell Well, 50 years they came and sometimes we got close Gonzalez never got to go Jamal nor the great priest Holmes So many times it broke my heart Thought I might never know But the Chiefs just broke that playoff curse And now they're headed to the Super Bowl I've seen the closest thing to Superman This girl has ever known We tried 17 for the greatest at my home. And now I'll never worry, even if we're far behind, because the way that number 15 plays is flowing people's minds. California weed, it's Tyree, Kelsey, Frank and Chris, honey, Badger, Andy Reid, so take me back to Kansas, barbecue and rock and roll, because the Chiefs just won the AFC, we're headed to the Super Bowl, but the Chiefs just won the AFC, and we're headed to the Super Bowl. <clears throat>
0: How about
4: that,
1: Melissa Etheridge? Is
4: there a backstory behind that? Did you guys ask her to write something? Well, we've
1: had her on a few times over the years. She's been in studio, and uh, she did a little song for us last year. Fritzy called her to come on the other day and said, hey, if you could whip up a song real quick. And that was about 12 hours before she joined us. That's a talent right
4: there. That
3: was amazing. She did it that quickly because it was like Sunday night and she hadn't written anything yet. And all of a sudden, the next morning, that's what uh, that's what she proposed.
4: I mean, that's someone with a deep knowledge of Chief's history there. If you're dropping, you know, anyone from Tyree Kill to Priest Holmes, you're, weed you're and, invested. Weed and Andy Reid. That was good. That was the best line of it all. Make, making the transition from California weed to Andy Reid, that's a. Uh, that's pretty special right there. That's your Golden Road moment of the week. If you haven't tried Golden Road Brewing, yet you're missing out. Those guys are all about bringing you the finest quality craft beer available. Mango Cart is inspired by the iconic fruit cart vendors of Los Angeles. It's an incredibly crisp and refreshing light wheat ale bursting with lots of fresh mango. And then there's my personal favorite, Wolf Pup Session IPA offered in a can and draft. Wolf Pup Session IPA is hoppy and refreshing with aromatic, or, ar- aromatic tropical, and citrus character. Brewed to stand out. You'll find Mango Cart and Wolf Pot Session IPA available in all 50 states. California-inspired Golden Road brewing fresh craft beer since 2011. Nice work by Melissa Ethers there with that song. Um, So Eli Manning announcing his retirement. We'll try to get some of that sound before the end of the show. 16-year NFL career, Hall of Famer to be. Uh, Perloff, give me an update on the poll question before I turn this back to Mark Emmerich and what he said uh, yesterday in Anaheim.
0: Who would you have voted for in the All-Star Game in the Eastern Conference among the guards? I gave Trey Young, who's the starter, Ben Simmons, Kyle Lowry, Bradley Beal. 48% Trey Young, 23% Ben Simmons, 16% Kyle, and 13% Brad Beal.
4: You know, no respect for Kyle Lowry. The workmanlike effort of Kyle Lowry every single night doesn't draw fan attention. That's disappointing to me. Get with it, fans. Kyle Lowry should be your All-Star starter this year alongside Kemba Walker.
0: You just said a workman-like, Toronto. If he didn't win a title, would you have said this?
4: Uh, I mean, the playoffs certainly gave him a bounce last year, the way he played, especially in the finals towards the end. I mean, he was good. So uh, that was my vote. Kyle Lowry got my vote over Ben Simmons. I did not vote for Trey Young as an all-star starter. All right, so we were having a discussion earlier about, you know, paying college players. And it's topical right now because Mark Emeritt, the president of the NCAA in his annual State of the NCAA Address, This issue was front and center because there seems to be a lot of ideas being kicked around as to how to compensate players. Certainly a lot of momentum for it, given what happened in California with the law that was passed there and other laws that seem to be either on the books or about to be on the books across this country. Florida has one that they're uh, openly discussing right now. Mark Emrit Paulie, I'm going to paraphrase him a little bit. Tell me if I'm wrong. It seems like he's trending in the direction of
1: paying players are letting players get paid off their own likeness. It appears that um, he realizes there's a lot of lawyers in that building, and they may realize they don't have a leg to stand on as the uh, Nevada, legislature, I'm sorry, California legislature and Florida and other states follow up saying, we're going to make a rule that says these athletes can do it. And instead of fighting it, it appears they're going to allow it because then they're paid outside the building.
4: Right. And Mark Emmert says there's a clear consensus on the need to change athlete pay rules. And then he follows that up by having some kind of – I don't know, it seemed like he had a word vomit out there up there on the stage where I don't know what... I don't know exactly what he was saying. It was very lawyerly talk um, in addressing this particular issue. But it does boil down to athletes at the highest level, if they can get paid off their likeness, if they can get paid to sign autographs, they will eventually have the power to go and do that. Now, some people, including my friends behind the glass here, they don't think that is going far enough. You guys, I think, almost universally believe that players should be getting some kind of payment, whether it's minimum wage for 20 hours a week or maybe some kind of stipend for what they get. I take the other tact. I think that a star player being able to capitalize on his own likeness, and let's be real, Trevor Lawrence, how much money could Trevor Lawrence make? Let's say it starts now. Over the next calendar year, how much money could
1: Trevor Lawrence make off his own likeness? It, it's almost unlimited because he yep. could do—he could sign trading cards, autographs, he could partner with a shoe company, he yep. could partner with uh. Glasses, anything that he wears on game day if it doesn't conflict with what Clemson wears. But we're talking seven figures, right?
4: If he had smart people around him, yeah. He's playing for a national title contender. He's been in the college football playoff the last couple of years. He's played well. He's been a champion. I mean,
1: I, I, you would think he'd also be able to sign with an agent to represent him in these business dealings. I think you have to have And one. an agent confront him as much money as they choose.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's a slippery slope you step on there with how much money – that they're fronting and expecting it back on the back end. But I think some kind of marketing agent would be necessary. Someone that can show you the ropes. Cause you can't just like walk into a meeting with Nike
1: and say like, all right, sure. I'll take that deal, but free sneakers for life. The, awesome. The tough part about this is how does it work at the 17 year old level yeah. on the re- on the recruiting trail? Can you promise a 17 year old Trevor Lawrence? Hey, if you control your own likeness, I guarantee you when you get here, we're going to offer you 10,000 a week to sign autographs at the local mall. Guaranteed. This is in, Verbal contract, and as soon as you become an NTA athlete, we can make it a written contract and it'll be taxed and above board and everything.
4: It, look, that to me though is the only viable option here. I don't believe that paying players minimum wage actually works, nor do I believe that certain players deserve to be paid minimum wage because it's not a popular position, but a scholarship accounts for something. Paula, you were saying in the first hour how you were paid to work at the student newspaper, but you also said that if you were given the option of having free tuition or getting paid by the student newspaper, you would take the free tuition. And that's what these players are getting. Tuition nowadays, what does it run even at state schools? $20,000 per year? All the way up the north of $70,000 per year at some of these top flight schools? That's not nothing. And for the players who are like, if you make the 90-something players on a college football depth chart? 95. 95. If you're looking at players like... Ten to ninety-five; those players, in terms of overall talent, have no shot of making the NFL. So they have the opportunity to use that two hundred thousand dollar education to springboard themselves into their next, the next phase of their careers. That I think that has to count for something. They are getting something out of being a part of that university. It's not a fair trade. These coaches, we just saw Ed Orgeron, who, by the way, deserves every nickel, signed a six-year, $42 million deal with LSU. I mean, a huge contract. These college coaches are vastly overpaid. These stadiums are palaces out there right now. So the money's going into some stuff. I think players deserve to get a piece of it, but I don't think there is, like, this equitable way to do it. I don't think there's an obvious path to get these guys paid. I would be very much in favor of making sure that that meal card they have never runs out. They can use that for anything they want on campus in terms of of food plans. I would also give them some kind of path to having free plane tickets to fly home for holidays and to deal with the family stuff that they may not get to. I would do everything humanly possible to make their life as manageable as possible as a student athlete. But the idea of paying players, of paying the the backup kicker or the fourth-string linebacker a minimum wage, it just doesn't resonate with me, not when they are getting – a scholarship that is valued at thirty or forty thousand dollars.
2: Yes, Eden. How do you determine though who gets free plane tickets home whenever they want? I think y'all do. So why is that plane ticket more reasonable for the fourth string linebacker, but seven fifty, seven twenty five an hour isn't?
4: It's. I think it's just if it's just a plane ticket to wherever you need to go, it should be part of the student athlete package. Like that. That should just be part of it all. I don't know if it's. It's probably worth more, frankly, than no maybe not they don't you know, seven fifty an hour or 200 I don't know, whatever the math is on that but it's it's certainly valuable i think everyone should have that that should be all the money and the revenue they're bringing in it should go towards plane tickets and meal plans and things that make life easier for student athletes which is valuable too in and of itself yeah for
3: at the very least it sounds more palatable than handing out gift cards or you know envelopes of cash or you know just Putting paychecks in their uh, dorm mailboxes or something like that, just for probably for I'd say a lot of the general public that uh, just seems like at least if you have a, if you have a reason you're sending someone to see the family or you're sending them somewhere whatever it is that there's a specific reason why you're giving them that money and they all get the same I guess.
2: I put hold on. Putting a paycheck in someone's mailbox doesn't sound reasonable to the general public. It's like how we all get paid.
3: In terms of a student athlete that's already getting a thirty forty fifty thousand dollar ride for a school. Well, see, do you
4: dismiss the value of the the scholarship? The scholarship? Actually- no,
2: I, th- I think the scholarship is great. The sch- I think people people need to start being a little bit more realistic and open-minded. Of course, the scholarship is valuable, and for everybody in the world, like I failed out of college, all right, and it would have been a real shame to waste the scholarship if I had one. But yeah, scholarship would have been awesome. That would have been great. Um, and for normal people. Um, absolutely, there's tremendous value in that. And for the fourth string linebacker, like you keep bringing up, yeah, there's value in that for him too, because he's probably not going to the NFL. But there is a select group of people that are going pro, and they're only there because they have to be. And they're different; they're completely different than the uh, journalism student going to BC. They they are not on the same planet. Right. And I, I, I don't I don't see why putting a couple dollars in everybody's pocket is is that revolutionary of an idea where somehow coordinating plane tickets for everybody sounds easier and more realistic. I, like, I don't, I don't know. What about for the kid that goes to grew up in Ohio and goes to Ohio state and he doesn't fly home. He drives home. Does he get a free Greyhound bus ticket then Uber X? You know what I mean? Like if you start putting that, it's like, it's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of absurd. Whereas here's uh, 200 bucks a week for all your troubles practicing that. I mean that, how is that, that hard of a concept for people to grasp? it's not hard to grasp. It just, I just keep comparing
4: it to the value of the scholarship. And and that that's almost like they're getting like, do you not look at it this way? Like they're getting paid $40,000 a year. Like you don't see it that way.
2: No, no, I don't. Why not? Because the school is the school. The only reason those kids are being offered that $40,000 a year in the scholarship is so the school can make tens of millions of dollars off of them
4: off. Well, off of a select few you're, most guys that they pay the X dollar for tuition are not driving revenue at all for them. They're some many of them are not even playing at, at different times during the during their careers there. So I don't know. I, I just think that that amount of money has to be taken into account in all this. I, I you're kind of turning me a little bit on the idea of like just fine. Like give them seven fifty an hour two hundred bucks a week or just screw it. Just say two hundred dollars a week for you know, for these guys, don't even make it a minimum wage. Give them some kind of stipend every single week. I just, I, I like, I think going with the, you know, guys getting paid off their own likenesses is a step in the right direction. I want to see if that works and then see if it leads to anything from there. Yeah, Paulie.
1: Just remember that scholarship. They don't pay for your scholarship. No, they, they're not no. writing a check. They're basically letting you on a ride for free. They're letting you in the building for free and handing you a piece of paper when you're done. There's no max. Uh, to, uh, what do you call it? Enrollment at a college?
4: No, there's not. But but this, things cost money. There's
1: like, room and board, and there's room and board. board. If you got to go to an elite
4: university, you got to pay the teachers uh, a right. solid amount of but money. But the and...
1: tuition, and you know, they don't max out classrooms. I teach. You know, at a, at a college, they're letting you have a, a a diploma for free, an education for free. But it's not coming out of anybody's pocket. No one else is not getting into school because those football players are. That's their, true. They're additional inventory. And so they're handing you a free college education, but they're not paying for your college education. They're affording paying at all times. It works out great for the player. A degree is important and should be valued, and you are saving that money. But they're not going into their pockets for anything else. And you bring in revenue to a school. Who, el- who, who else in our country works for anything where they can bring in revenue and don't get minimum wage? No, that's true. That's true. But Have you change your mind today. You've started to turn me around there a little, a little bit
4: on, on the paying these guys. I, I have always been an advocate for the whole make money off your likeness because I think, because the star players, I mean, they, they, they are selling the tickets like the, the you know, the, the stars of Clemson and LSU and uh, all these guys, they they are what people are, are tuning into. like the money that, what was that SEC deal that they just made with ESPN? Like worth just billions of dollars. Give like me more specific. I'm sorry, whatever the, the the SEC, the one they took from CBS. Like that being the, the money that's worth. That's all because of the star players, and they should be allowed to make as much money as humanly possible. That that's always been the top priority for me over anything else. I guess if it you don't have a trickle down effect and change the rules completely, that's that's okay. But the top level guys need to get paid.
1: The only way you could do something like that. Imagine if a conference of football players didn't show up in in. Late July. Imagine somehow, if all the SEC football players, the biggest, most powerful conference, got together and said, "We don't walk on the campus until we get paid minimum wage," there is too much money floating around in the atmosphere that would be in flux. They would win that argument. All right. So why doesn't that happen? You can't get a bunch of eighteen to twenty-one year olds to organize on that kind of level. That's very true. That's very true, especially ones that I mean. Look. Most
4: people go to college football thinking that at some, some level they do have a chance to get to the NFL, and they want to play. They want to prove themselves and get out of college and go make money being a linebacker for the Patriots or a quarterback for the 49ers. So it is difficult to get them organized like that. All right, eight seven seven three DP shows the phone number, email address DP at DanPatrick.com. If you have a take that makes sense on how NCAA players, athletes are able to get paid, that you can put together quickly over the next six months, that can go into effect in the next over the next ten years. Give us a call. 877-3DP-SHOW.
1: Email address is dp at danpatrick.com. 43 minutes past the hour, this is The Dan Patrick Show. Seton, there are things in life that are okay to cheap out on. You know, if you go to the car wash, just get the express wash. Just a rinser. Right. And you can tidy it up at home. But speaking of cars, the one thing you should never cheap out on is your battery. I'm no tech, but I can tell you that you don't want to be with a bad battery, especially with winter around the corner, and no one wants to end up with a lifelong. My buddy Mark has a car. He was over at my place the other day. Notoriously cheap
2: Mark. Is Mark. His nickname.
1: Mark car battery, I'm not kidding, the other day in Vermont, died in my front yard and I had to jump his car to get him home.
2: Come on, Mark. Get it together. Get it
1: together, Mark. Go to Interstate Battery. That's why you need Interstate Batteries. I'm talking to you, Mark. America's number one replacement battery brand. And the battery auto techs prefer three times more than the other brands. Keep your car prepared for anything, especially with winter. Get a quick battery test today to find out if your battery is going to go bad. And make sure you let your family know to check their batteries, too. Come on, family. Find your closest Interstate Batteries dealer at interstatebatteries.com. You can also check them out at Facebook, Interstate Batteries. They're made for you. They're made for Mark. They're outrageously dependable. Check out your batteries at interstatebatteries.com. That's interstatebatteries.com.
3: Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcast1.com, clicking on the support this podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and, of course, supporting. And now, back to the show.
4: Always good to be here on a Friday. Meet Fridays outside. Arcade Fire inside. Super Bowl next week. Down in Miami. Let's go. we be getting down to Miami, Super Bowl week, busy week ahead. You know, I'm glad that the cameras weren't rolling in the last uh, five minutes. Uh, Perloff and I challenged Pauly and Seaton to a, I don't even want to call it a 2 on 2 game. It lasted about what, three seconds. You game to, one. to a game to one point. Well, first of all, I didn't think the two of you would be running a play. Like, you discussed a play. We're like we're like starting them alone. You set a high screen and pick and pop.
0: And Chris, I don't know what game you're talking about. Yeah. I don't see any video footage of said game. Thank you. Uh, well, first of all, it was your fault. That was that was my fault. fault? That was your fault. I was in the midst of turning around my hat. I didn't even really, I wasn't really trying to focus. I thought Seton and Paulie had a flair for the dramatic and would do something cool to, for their one point. Not just Seton coming off a pick like he did 12 times a day.
4: That was pretty generic. Yeah, Seaton. There's generic.
2: one thing that Paul and I know for sure, going into uh, every time we've played these games, is that you two are not going to be on the same page. <laughs> That's one thing I can tell you right about. The next time you come here and we play that game, you two are not going to be on the same page.
1: I'm terrible at basketball. I'm fantastic at beating you two.
2: All
0: yeah. right. <laughs> Paulie set a pick on me. My back was turned, and I was wandering off to the side, and Paulie runs up and puts his chest into me for some bizarre reason. This time basketball. He's a
2: physical player. Physical oh, player. Oh, look at this. We do have video. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bang. Nailed it. Drained it. We ran off. See you later. <laughs> I threw, I threw the
1: ball at him. I heard when Steve pulled up, I hear Chris go, no, no. We're still yelling at each other as the hammers stop rolling.
4: That's a
0: nice switch by you there. But yeah, good job. <laughs> Pathetic.
2: I can watch this all day. Yeah, yeah.
0: Who were you covering, just out of curiosity? Where
2: were you? You were
0: just standing there. Can you guys get me the uh, YouTube link of this, please? So, Paulie was picking me. Seton was wide open. You were with not within seven feet of Paulie, who was presumably your man. So who did you decide to cover there? I went under the screen. See the problem
1: is you guys set up a system, uh, you play it a one, you're gonna we're gonna win. you play it eleven, you're gonna beat us eleven.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm
4: dissecting this now. Uh yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: here's the other thing. Paulie's been practicing this Bruce Bowen baseline jumper every day this week and he's like he thinks he's unstoppable for right there. I thought that they were gonna work to get that shot.
4: That was probably my fault. Teton
0: can do that anytime he wants. Yeah, I didn't even take that into account.
4: All right, Eli Manning just spoke moments ago in New York explaining his retirement. Here is why he says he's choosing now to retire from the NFL.
2: Well, I think it was important uh, to me
1: to to go out as a giant. And uh, I think when you come, when you get drafted and you you come to an organization, I think that's always your goal, to to stay with one organization your
0: entire career. Uh, As you get towards the end of it, it, it doesn't always work out that way. You still have... You know, desires to play sometime, but I think it was important um, the
1: fans, this organization, this family, uh, to, to call it to call it a, a career and to, to end it instead of trying to uproot my family and leave.
4: Yeah, look, he's accomplished a lot. Two Super Bowl wins. Might as well retire with one organization and go off and potentially have a TV career uh, moving forward. Zion Williamson back in action, game two of his NBA career tonight against the Denver Nuggets. A lot of people will be tuned in. Uh, for that. Uh, let's go around the room. What did we learn today? Why don't we start with you, Todd Fritz?
3: Seaton sold his plasma twice a week back in college to a little spending money. I thought that was awesome. I've been working with him many years never heard that there story. There you
0: go. For, uh, Perloff. I learned that Paulie and Seaton's pick and roll unstoppable. Stockton and Malone. I learned that the hard way just moments ago.
2: Uh, Seaton. I learned Todd's sense of uh, what's awesome is severely warped. <laughs>
3: He thinks selling your
2: plasma once a week is great. I just think
3: that was very cool.
2: He's
4: what, he's what we learned get getting picked up by the fly. Yeah, uh, Pauly.
1: Todd had a, a big loss. He lost to a pair of tongs outside at the patio. I, I lost he tried deadly. To, he tried to open a pair of tongs that were locked in place like all tongs are. And it took them eight minutes. I mean,
3: I've never seen locked tongs before. All
1: everyone. The ones in my
3: house, are already right in position for picking them You've never them. used those either. You're like the adult that has
4: problem with the child safety locks. Right? just, uh, how do we work this? How I do have, we open up this bottle? Well, Can
3: I open this up? School smart and street. I'm lost. All
4: right, what we learned brought to you by LegalZoom. Make 22 a year. You remember for the right reasons to use LegalZoom to help you out. Go to LegalZoom.com today and enter promo code PATRICK in the box at checkout for special savings. That's LegalZoom.com, promo code PATRICK, LegalZoom, where life meets the,
2: the hard-hitting
1: streets where you learn how to open t- Tongs of the child.
2: I just said street smarts. We're talking about how to use tongs. So <laughs>
3: not very handy.
2: Remember? We'll see you guys in Miami.
4: I'll be at the uh, venue on Thursday night, live on the zone. See you guys there. Dan Patrick Show.
1: As promised, here's a clip from the big podcast with Shaq.
6: No need wasting time.
0: Oh, you want to get right to it? Oh yeah, let's get right to it. Oh my all right, gosh. here we go. Ready? Please in an
6: all business mood today. Well, oh, it's, it's, it's not a little business mood. I just don't like.
0: It. Uh, this is a weird, weird no, story. It's not, it's not yes, weird. Yes, it is. You it know, is weird. No,
6: it's not weird. Okay. It's, it's it's the new generation we live in. Yeah, I think you're right. People feel so comfortable in their house and behind their phones, and you know when they know I'm not right around, but I'm not hard to find. Yeah. Both both guys had ample opportunity. What they do? Put their heads down like the little puppies they are and walk away.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now, you see, Shaq, the idea of Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee wanting to fight you. Okay,
0: this came up, by the way, on, on Danny Green's and it podcast. Did. And it did. Um, I guess Dwight Howard said, uh, quote, I was like uh, to JaVale, hey, man, did you want to fight Shaq? And he was like, man, I did. I did, too. But then there's two things we got to worry about. He's a cop, so if we hurt him, we're going to jail the hell out of here. You're going to hurt uh, Jack. No, And one, two, if Jack gets a hold of us, hold it's it it over.
6: <laughs> Either one of them. But, yeah. but it just speaks to my leadership abilities because what I did is I made them become good players and exactly what I wanted exactly what happened to me. Will Trayman and Kroen made me so freaking mad. Well, I didn't want to fight them because of the respect I had for them. See, these young guys don't have respect for the elders, but they made me so mad. I said, okay, I'm going to make y'all remember my name. And, uh, I'm uh, noticing their name. You know, JaVale has a couple of championships under his belt, but guess what? You're welcome. I did that. That's what I do. I make people so pissed off. They want to fight me. Kobe wanted to fight me. How many rings we got, B-Dog, Mr. Refreshments? Uh, well, wait a minute now. Huh? <laughs> Mr. Refreshments, how many rings I got? Well, me, me, Kobe, me had, Kobe has five. You have four. Okay, no, but how many rings do me and Kobe have? I got three. Exactly. So that's what a leader does. I ruffle feathers. I know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I know they're playing. But I'm just saying that what I did to, to ruffle the feathers made them okay players. Javel has two rings, and Dwight, if they keep playing, he's going to have a ring. And all I can say is, you're welcome.